Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. Uh, the program uh, on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We're broadcasting from the 45th annual TAP conference. If you're not familiar with TAP, it is the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals. Uh, it's down here in San Antonio at the Hyatt Regency Hill Country Resort. Our broadcast made possible by the good folks at Summer Sky Treatment Center. They're in Stephenville, Texas, about an hour outside of Fort Worth. Summersky.us, where recovery begins. It's always great coming down here to meet uh, new friends, to catch up with old friends. But it's, you know, it's a shame that the ne my next guest, I have to travel like halfway around the country uh, to catch up with, and, and she lives in Washington State. Uh, she's, a, she's a very dear friend, Cynthia Moreno-Tui. She's the executive director of NADAC. How are you, Cynthia? So wonderful to see you. Great to see you, Neil, oh, yeah. and I am blessed. You are. You have been in this field, I think, a couple of years longer than I have been. You came in in 74? I started my college internship September 19th, 1974. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah from Washington State University. Wow. Wazoo. Haku. Wazoo. You yeah. son of a gun. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But tell me about the changes you've seen in the field over that oh, span gosh. of time. You know, when I first came in the field, it wasn't a field, really. Yeah. yeah. The Hughes money hadn't been enacted yet. The right. bill had been passed. It hadn't been enacted, and I actually started my field placement at an alcohol information resource center. Oh, my goodness. In and Seattle? In Walla Walla, Washington. Walla Walla. They were called AIRCs. And what it was, it was a place where people could go to get information if they had a loved one or themselves an alcohol problem. Yeah. And everybody talked about alcohol or alcoholism. It was before people really started talking about drug addiction as much. Yeah. And we didn't talk about addictive disorders. We talked about alcoholism and drug abuse. So one of the big changes over the years is just how we have come to the place of talking about addiction as an addiction, you know, that, that it is a brain disease. A brain disease. Yes, and that it's generational. And we knew that we had ideas that it was generational, but the science now and the science now has proved that. So that was pretty big. I think other changes I've seen, you know, we went from having hardly any treatment programs in the 70s, hardly any education programs. I went to Washington State University, and they had, for the first year, an alcoholism studies program. So I went through a social work program and an alcoholism program, a five-year program, but I thought I was coming out with a master's with yeah. social work and alcoholism studies. A big fight between the Department of Sociology and Social Work, and they ended up giving us a four-year degree in social work and a one-year certificate in alcoholism. No kidding. Yeah. So I've actually gone back to WSU to, to say, you know, I don't think that was really fair. I didn't care at the time because yeah, at the yeah. time... Who was in the field? Yeah. People in recovery, no, no, hardly any education. Yeah. So I was already weird. I, personally in recovery, 
and a bachelor's degree and an alcoholism certificate. Now we have that. Yeah. I, I thought, I'm already weird enough. Don't make me weird. <laughs> In your keynote presentation, you talked about being a self-proclaimed weirdo. Yes. And I will tell you, it takes one to know one. Yes. And I am one, so yeah. we should start our We're own good organization. Cynthia is also the, the author of a great book called Raining in the Brain. It's kind of like romancing the brain. It, you know, that's how I wanted to title it. I know, it, that's why I brought it brain. up. Yeah. Rain in the brain tells me, like, I want to pull something back or I want to pull something yeah, in, yeah. which is what we want to do with our brain and take yeah. take our power back over our brain and not having it be so impulsive and those neural, you know, pathways leading us through our addiction and our toxic thinking. So that, that was the idea. However, so much of it is about how you speak and how you are with people and how you are with yourself and so that's why and and how you agree to have relationships collaboratively instead of competitively or um, or to accommodate everybody or to avoid and so it really is a, about romancing the brain and teaching people how to use their brain the best way possible for themselves and for others that publishers decided that men wouldn't be attracted to rain to romancing the brain what do you think I disagree but yeah. I'm just one man. Well, you know, you're a good man, so what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> the book, is it going to be revised? Well, I'm hoping to revise it. I am hope there's been more research out. I want to put it in the book. And then I've done some more work in terms of continuing recovery. So my dream about the book is for it to be something that is used in all ages because we need to teach children, you know, grade school about violence and about the first level of violence is to be inconsiderate. And, you know, if we're teaching teachers and children and parents how to think about relationships and violence and what's healthy and what's not healthy and how to talk about it, then I think we would change some of our culture that we have right now, which is tending toward impulsivity, unthoughtfulness, and just people not feeling connected. And I think with the technology that we have today, we're seeing uh, young people less connected, and we need to teach parents how to connect with their children so that they can become more civil, civil society. Mm. We need to be more of a civil society. Cynthia moreno Tui, Executive Director of NADAC, is joining us. If you're unfamiliar with NADAC, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. It's the Association for Addiction Professionals, and that's a rebranding of NADAC. It is. So NADAC years ago was called the National Association of Alcohol and Drug Abuse Counselors. And, and before that it was NAC. And before that <laughs> yeah. it was NAC. But always around alcoholism yes. and addiction. The, the thing is that we have expanded so much. So many yeah. of our people are professors, teachers, administrators, clinical supervisors, program managers, co-occurring, yes. you know, working yes. in mental health. And so we wanted to have a... a a brand where we kept NADAC. We have, what, 40-some years being NADAC, I think. Yeah. And so we didn't want to change that, and particularly with our name on the hill. Kept right, the hill. right. So we kept NADAC, and then we tried to be Association for Addiction Professionals, so I had to kind of expand it out that way yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, I mean, I wanted to at one point change it to NADAC, the Association for Alcoholism and Co-Occurring Professionals. Ah, okay. But you can't, it's hard yeah. to get NADAC in that. So. I think you found the right mix of words of NADAC, the Association for Addiction Professionals, that kind of says it all. 
Talk about the membership. So, you know, what we're finding is people come to NADAC for different things. Some people are full-fledged members. Some people come just for the webinars, and they pay for the webinars. Webinars. Mm -hmm. Some people are certified through us. Some people are all of that. And so our constituent base now is about 51,000. Really? Yeah. That receive something from us. Wow. Um, and they affect, of course, other professionals. So we say that our reach is over 100,000 addiction professionals, and I think that's at least mm -hmm. addiction and mental health. I don't want to say just addiction because some people brand yep. themselves as yep. mental health. You have a big annual conference that seems to be getting bigger every year. Yeah, it's going to be in Orlando, Florida Orlando. this year. And then the year after you're going to be back in D.C. In D.C., mm -hmm. yeah, and we'll be doing an advocacy day as well, some advocacy training and an advocacy day on the Hill. Why is that important? Well, you know, our... Our population, our people, you know, people that have addictive disorders, they tend not to advocate for themselves. They tend to be stigmatized and not advocate. And our job as counselors, and one of our code of ethics, is to advocate for our clients and their families. And so what we need to do is teach our counselors how to do that. There's a lot of fear about, well, how do I talk to a legislator or their legislative aide. And I say it's just like what you would talk about to anybody else. You right. just be who you are and tell your story and say, I'm, I'm one of those people who are helping the opioid crisis. And what I'm talking about in uh, D.C. now to legislators is a marijuana tsunami that's coming at us. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it's huge. And so we need to teach people about that. And we have some great Position papers on our website. People can go to that, take it, use it, talk to their legislators. And the website is nadac.org? Exactly. And I don't know if I told you this, Neil, but we had some legislators get together with us in Congress and write and file a resolution, a national res resolution for addiction professionals saying we are the people who are helping with the opioid crisis. Wow. We are the people who work on addiction, and national credentials mm. are essential. We've got to get over this, this credential over here, that right. credential oh. over there. Drives we, me nuts. It drives me nuts yeah. because it has hurt our profession. Yeah, people don't understand. Yes. The reason why we have problems with reimbursement, yes. Medicaid, insurance, and respect is because we're all over the place. Yeah. And we're seen as people who can't quite get our act together. What is the temperature in Congress? You know, there are more new Congress persons, right, yes, men yes, and women, yes, yes. than ever before. And? And they, there is a whole new caucus of new Congress persons concerned about addiction. They get it. They get it. And so we are meeting with them, and we are talking to them about bills. We're ru ru writing language. Mm -hmm. We're talking to them about the importance of this long term. We need to get out of the short term thinking, like two and four right, year right, thinking. Right. We've got to be thinking long term if we're going to change society. Mm -hmm. And with this marijuana, you know, it's not just the marijuana issue. It's the whole issue of it doesn't matter. Marijuana doesn't matter because it's no big deal. You know, substance use, oh, well, it, it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. So it's, it's just it's, marijuana. Yeah, it's, it's you know. just, yeah. And we, we really need parents and leaders to understand that, that it is a big deal how it affects the brain cognitively. And you might not see it this year or next year. Five years from now, we're going to see it in the classrooms.
Mm. And we're going to see children affected and we're going to see parents affected. You think that we have CPS issues now or neglect issues now? It's going to be huge. As the years go on, more and more states are advocating and, and saying, well, here's a way to make money. We'll just legalize marijuana and we'll make a boatload of money. And yeah. they're so short-sighted. Exactly. Well, the question I have and the, the advocacy I ask people to think about when they're voting for someone is ask them, are you in any way involved or getting money for marijuana, planting, growing, distribution, advertising? You know, what's your stake in this marijuana thing? Yeah. And it makes me wonder because what we're seeing and some of the states are seeing is that it's costing states more money that they didn't expect. Yeah. And so that money, that revenue that they thought they were going to be earning through marijuana ta taxes are now being spent for CPS and um, domestic violence, drugging mm. and driving, homelessness. Yeah. I mean, and and, and the huge. lobbying for the marijuana people seems to be increasing. It's almost like the, the alcohol industry. Right. They're suddenly getting more money and more exactly. influence. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. What did we learn from alcohol? Apparently not much. No. So yeah. it's all about the money, oh, you know, if goodness. you stop and think about it. And the human lives that are sacrificed is... Um, sad. Wow. wow. Very sad. As executive director of NADAC, uh, here at the, this conference at TAP, you presented two key awards today to two amazing people. Yes. Keith Lyles and Suzanne Lofton are people who have worked in the field for a long, long time and really done done amazing things at the state level to help support the, the professionalism yes. in Texas. And also, you know, Suzanne's background in drug court, oh. you know, has brought in that partnership a little bit more into Texas. You know, these are people with vision. These are people that are dedicated. This is what we hope for, right, is to raise leaders. And yeah. NADAC has been all about raising leaders through the years. Mm -hmm. We need to raise more leaders because we have more addiction going That's on. That's right. And so they're an indication of the quality that we, we want. Yeah. And, they, and because they received those awards at the state level, they were pushed forward to the national level and were selected. Uh -huh. And a lot of good people have come out of Texas. Yeah, so. I know it. I yeah. know it. Past president of yep. NADAC, yep. Patricia Greer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. But but Keith and Suzanne are just uh, at the top stellar. of the list. Yes. They're stellar. Ab absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and what a great conference this has been. It's like oh, eight, yes. eight to nine hundred people here. Yes. Each year it just fascinates me. It gets bigger. It gets better. Yeah. I've been blessed to be down here probably for the last six or seven years. Wow. And, and just watching it grow and grow and uh, the the exhibitors. It sold out before it started, yep. and they had six potential exhibitors who came here without a reservation and said, I want in. How amazing. And Scott Kelly said, well, I'm sorry, we're sold out. And they said, put us anywhere. I don't care where. And one particular program said, we will pay you double wow. to be here. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Now, this, fortunately, this facility... Uh, here is able to take a much larger group so next year they'll be able to get a lot more space and, and accommodate Good. a lot more but it's just it amazes me and it is so content driven yes uh, and to, to to watch these new people coming into the field I get terribly excited yes. when I see people like that young gal yesterday up on stage yeah uh, it's just it's the future it's our tomorrow it is 
well, we have to raise them. You know, we have to mentor them. And I was reading a statistic from SAMHSA that about half of people that enter the field leave it within 18 months. And, and I think part of it is that they're not they're not feeling connected, they're not mentored, mm. they're not getting that kind of personal support. And I think people need more personal yeah, support when yeah. they come into this field because it's complex. Yep. And a lot of people come in thinking, oh, this is nothing, I've studied addiction, I get it. And they don't understand how insidious the disease yes, is yes. and how it infiltrates everything in that person's brain and spirit and body. Yeah. And, and that all of that is connected up and then how it affects the family. Yeah, and another reason you mentioned this in your presentation has to do with uh, with salaries. A lot of good people who come in are good, and they're recognized in that first year and a half, and they're snatched up yes. by other uh, modalities that say, "Wow, there's a great person. We can pay them a whole lot right. more." Talk a little bit about the changes in the salary structure for mm. counselors. So one of the amazing things has been, you know, we've been working um, very strongly with Congress for many, many years, but we finally have a Congress that's listening and, uh, and also um, working with the Department of Labor and working with other groups, trying to help them understand the benefit of addiction counselors. And in all of that, and with SAMHSA and talking to them about how do we incentivize salaries for people, what we're talking to Congress about is writing bills that actually gives incentives to publicly funded treatment centers to raise the salary and benefits for counselors. But what has happened probably in the last five years is we've seen, and this is average, so this isn't Texas mm -hmm. specific, the average salary according to the Department of Labor for addiction counselors in the past five years has moved from 28, um, about 28,000 a year to almost 42,000 a year. Wow, that's pretty significant. So that is significant, and it's still not yet where we need it. Right, right. But it is significant, and I think about there are still treatment centers that are paying, you know, $8 an hour, $10 an hour, and then they wonder why people go to McDonald's yeah. and get a job to be a night supervisor where they don't have to do, you know, EHRs, they don't have to fuss with things, and they wonder why are people going. So we need to help our directors also understand that their biggest asset is their staff. Yes. What's your biggest asset? Absolutely. You know, I ran treatment programs for years, mm -hmm. and I knew that, that without good staff, I didn't have anything. Yeah. You know. When I, when I interview people, I say, don't tell me about your brick and mortars. Don't tell me about your swimming pool. Don't tell me about all the amenities. Yeah. Tell me who works for you. That's tell right. me about your staff. Tell me what your staff turnover is. Yes. And tell me what your staff education is. Yes, yes. So if they're not certified or licensed in addiction and they haven't had their addiction studies, they don't need to be doing this yeah, work. Yeah. And this is the thing that we fight across America. So, you know, I'm a social worker. I think I'm a pretty good social worker. Uh, even as a social worker who has a background in addiction, I could not have done this work so effectively, efficiently, without having my addiction studies. So without having those not that knowledge base and that competency, forget it. You, you gotta know? have the building blocks. That's You've right. got to have them. Absolutely. I wouldn't, have been, I wouldn't be good I, and I wouldn't have stayed. What advice do you have uh, to someone who may be listening, who may be in recovery, maybe not in recovery, but is considering a career in this field? You know, I say, I would I would go donate some time, volunteer some time in a treatment center, particularly a publicly funded treatment center, 
which gets the least amount of support and see what it's like working in a place like that. See if you if it's a romance idea that you want to work in addiction or if, if you really have that inner desire, that burning desire, we call it, to make a difference. And then once you decide, is this where I want to be, then go take a class or two and see, okay, now let me back it up with some education. Do I like the education? Is this what I want to do? And then at the end of that, if you decide this is what I want to do, go do it. You know, do it with passion. That's right. You know, I've been in the field a long time. I don't think I've lost too much passion or, or yeah. energy. No, you haven't, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah, and I think that that's partly why, because I absolutely love what I do. Yeah. I feel like it gives me life. Yeah. You know, and when you're giving other people life, it gives you life. When you're giving other people something that makes a difference in their world, it makes a difference in your world. Yes. And... You know, it sounds corny, but it is the honest-to-God truth. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. and my kids know that. They, they're like, <laughs> they sent me off to Washington, D.C. They said, you know, I got the job offer to work at the Addiction Technology Transfer Center. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what do you think? And they said, go, make a difference. Talk to Congress. Make it happen. Yeah. Do what you need to do. We'll tell you when it's time to come home. <laughs> well, you certainly have made a difference, a significant difference. You are a treasure in this field, and I'm honored to have known you for so long. And we share the same mentor in Mel Schulstad, oh, the great gosh. late Mel Schulstad. And uh, I just want to say keep doing what you're doing for as long as you can do it. That's right. And you too, Neil. Nice I to see really you. I really appreciate being in your presence. Uh, it's great to see you again. Yeah. Uh, Cynthia Moreno-Tui is the executive director of NADAC. NADAC.org. You can find a lot of good stuff at that website. Check it out. We're going to take a short time out. We'll be back with more from the 45th Annual TAP Conference in Texas. <laughs>